Yeah. Um, my title this morning, given to me by Aid, is The Beautiful People. That's a lovely title, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And it set me thinking. Okay, what do we think about when we think about the beautiful people in our culture today? What do we think about? Yeah. <laughs> well, I've got a little visual for you, if I can work out how to do this. Now, I've put some, a montage up here of various beautiful people, for all ages and stages, I would say. <laughs> Having teenagers has helped me to put a few more up-to-date ones up there, <laughs> as well as the older ones. So maybe some people from the older generation could tell me who you recognise first up there. Grace Kelly. Brigitte Bardot. Bardot. <laughs> Rodham Richard. Um, anyone else? Carrie Grant. Yeah. Okay, so maybe going down to the not-so-older generation. Daniel maybe Craig. Slightly. Daniel Craig. Yes, thanks, Liz. George Clooney. George Clooney. Idris Elba. Yeah, there's various people up there, aren't there? And what about the younger ones, then? We need the youth. Izzy, I'm sure you know one of these up here. Sean Mendes, yes. Which ones? Sean Mendes is over there next to Brigitte Bardot. Ariana Grande, yeah. So there's a variety of beautiful people up there, aren't there? And I think that's what many of us think of in this culture and nowadays when we think of the beautiful people. Pop stars, celebrities, models... And maybe even on that, you're also having a good look, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Shall I move on? I'll leave that there for a bit. Okay. Need to concentrate. But actually, yeah, focus. We're going to be looking this morning at what beauty is in God's eyes, what actual true beauty is. Because I think in this passage, when Paul is, is talking to the Colossians, and when the Lord is talking to us, he's not looking at the people we're looking at the film stars and the celebrities and the models. And even sometimes on a more ordinary, everyday level, we look at the sort of in-crowd and the popular people and the fast set. That's not, we know, what is meant here at all. So what we're going to do is we're going to actually read through the verses to start with. I'm going to ask Paul to come up and read to us from Colossians 3, 1 to 17. You may follow it in your Bibles if you want, but I've actually got it on the screen as well because I've chosen to use the Passion translation today simply because I love it and so we're going to use it okay thank you Paul Mike oh Mike is <clears throat> Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too this is why we are to yearn for all that is above for that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honour and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life and now your true life is hidden away in God in Christ. And as Christ himself is seen for who he really is, who you really care will also be revealed. For you are now one with him in glory. Live as one who has died to every form of sexual sin and impurity. Live as one who died to diseases and desires for forbidden things, including the desire for wealth, which is the essence of idol worship. When you live in these vices, you ignite the anger of God against these acts of disobedience. 
That's how you once behaved, characterised by your evil deeds. But now it's time to eliminate them from your lives, once and for all. Anger, fits of rage, all forms of hatred, cursing, filthy speech and lying. Lay aside your old Adam self with its masquerade and disguise. For you have acquired new creation life, which is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you, giving you the full revelation of God. In this new creation life, your nationality makes no difference, or your ethnicity, education, or economic status. They matter nothing, for it is Christ that means everything as he lives in every one of us. You are always and dearly loved by God, so robe yourself with virtues of God, since you have been divinely chosen to be holy. Be merciful as you endeavour to understand others, and be compassionate, showing kindness toward all. Be gentle and humble, unoffendable in your patience with others. Tolerate the weaknesses of those in the family of faith, forgiving one another in the same way you have been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with someone, release this same gift of forgiveness to them, for love is supreme and must flow through each of these virtues. Love becomes the mark of true maturity. Let your heart always be guided by the peace of the Anointed One, who called you to peace as part of his one body, and always be thankful. Let the word of Christ live in you richly, flooding you with all wisdom. Apply the scriptures as you teach and instruct one another with the Psalms and with festive praises and with prophetic songs given to you spontaneously by the Spirit. So sing to God with all your hearts. Let every activity of your lives and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, and bring your constant praise to God the Father because of what Christ has done for you. It's a brilliant translation, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely amazing. And what fantastic opening words here. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. I just love that. And if we think about that for a moment, well, we could just stay there, couldn't we? <laughs> because actually, we know that we can have that resurrection life. We can have that life eternal, that redeemed life in all its fullness, transformed from the inside out right now because of Christ's resurrection for us. And if we think about, and this is something that I think we touch on a lot, but we don't deeply think about quite often enough, if we think about all that Jesus actually went through, all he suffered and took on to take all of our ugliness and make it beautiful, then actually we start to get a glimpse of what that resurrection life means. And that is real beauty and true beauty. And in a sense, I think we could just sit here, maybe, with the presence of the Holy Spirit and ponder on that verse all morning. There's actually a lot more to come, but we could just do that, couldn't we? So what I feel I want to encourage you all to do is if you take nothing else from the words that I speak this morning, is to take that one verse with you and ponder it in your heart, ruminate on it, mull it over, set it before you, pray into it, and ask God to reveal to you afresh, maybe even for the very first time, what that actually means for you in your life and for those that you, that, that you love around you right now, what that can mean for them. 
But we can't do that this morning because my remit is a little bit bigger than that now. Not that you can have a bigger remit than that, really, but you know what I mean. So we're going to move on with Paul. Now, what's Paul doing? He's urging them all, isn't he? Like we were singing this morning, to sort of wake themselves up, become alert to the Spirit. And he's urging them to recognise all that Jesus has done for each one of them, all that he's suffered and gone through. And he's urging them to, I like this translation, to feast on him, really, to feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realms. It's more about feasting on Jesus, feasting on the heavenly realms, than looking around and being distracted by temptations and appetites that are here on earth. It's all about our now true life, hidden away with God in Christ. Now, I don't know about you, I always feel I've got to caveat Paul's writing somehow, because Whenever I read, well not whenever, but often when I read some of Paul's writings, I find I am really, really challenged. There's like that inner critic in me, and sometimes I think just a voice of the enemy, that sort of makes me feel quite condemned, because actually there's such a lot that is put up there that I think, oh my goodness, that's a lot to work through. It's that sort of voice that's saying, yeah, well that's kind of okay for Paul, and maybe for those really on-fire believers in Colossae at the time, but actually you, Rebecca, you know, you're really quite bolted down to earth and you're really narrowly focused in your everyday. You're very much tied up with what's going on around you. And, and actually, yes, sometimes that is really true. And I feel convicted then, not condemned, convicted to actually set my sights a bit higher, to raise my gaze, if you like, because I can quite easily become too bolted to the everyday. But I don't think what Paul is saying, and I don't think what these words are saying to me personally, and I hope not, is that I'm totally out of tune, that I'm totally out of kilter with it all. It's just a reminder to raise your gaze. And I don't think Paul is saying either, you've got to just be focusing on heaven the whole time in such a way that actually you're of no use to those around you here on the earth. I don't think he's saying that, do you? Is he asking us purely to focus on heaven, to keep our eyes fixed on heaven, but not purely focus on what's going on there? I think the point that Paul is trying to emphasise to the believers in Colossae is that because they too have been raised with Christ, they should act just as Jesus did when he was resurrected. And so that made me think, right, how did Jesus act? What actually happened when Jesus was first resurrected, when he was brought back to life? So what did happen? He walked out of the tomb, didn't he? He got up. He took off those grave clothes, those dirty, putrid, stenching old clothes, and he threw them off, and he walked out. He got out of that place of death, that place of decay and of rot, and he walked right into new life. And I think that what's, that's what Paul's getting at. Actually, if we here, if those of us that have truly accepted Jesus as our Lord and Saviour and accepted that resurrection life, if we've done that, we don't need to be wrapped up in any old grave clothes. We can actually throw them off and we can walk out of that tomb. I think what he's saying is get rid of all of that. And I think it is a process, definitely, casting off those grave clothes. But get rid of them. And then you can walk into that new life where you start flourishing more and blossoming and bursting with new life and wearing beautiful new clothes. 
So a step further, what did Jesus then do when he left the tomb? Who did he spend his time with? This is interactive. Anyone want to tell me? With women, of course. With his close friends, his disciples, those that were around him at the time, anyone that he came into contact with, I suppose, he spent time with. And what did he do? He served them. He ministered to them. He encouraged them. He taught them. And he challenged them. And that is what Paul is, I think, urging the Colossians to do. To do that, to walk out of that old life into the new and to really be earthbound in that sense of ministering to those that are around them, preaching the good news, serving others, blessing, encouraging, challenging. And it's the same for us as well, by extension, isn't it? We need to choose to throw off those grave clothes and live out the life that we've got left here. None of us knows how long that is, but in that new way, in a daily new way, often. When I looked at this passage, I was reminded of Paul's call to the believers in Rome as well, in Romans 12, and I want to read this to us, because I think it fits in really well. It's from Romans 12, 1 to 2, and again it's in the passion. Okay. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvellous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Again, a beautiful life. We can be beautiful people living out a beautiful life. What are we to do as we seek to do this? So, I think Paul makes it clear to the Colossians, as I've already said, keep your focus heavenward, but also around you. And we know that, don't we? We've sung about that, and we've talked about that already this morning. The Father is always there for us. We can always look to him. We can always focus on Jesus, ask for his help. And really importantly, I think we need to call on the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can live our lives in that way. Because I don't know about you, all the reading or even just praying that I do about it, unless I'm inviting the Holy Spirit in to help me, I don't get very far at all. So I think it is about immersing ourselves in this life, the one that we've got, the one that we're called to, in whatever circumstance that may be, and then living it in a healthy and a holy way. Not becoming enmeshed or tied up with the earthly distractions and the things that may bind us or sully us, but actually living a healthy and a holy life. So I think we can establish that, and can we agree on that? Anybody not agree? Anybody disagree with that? No, I think we can agree with that. And I think we can agree that for many of us, for all of us, I would say actually, it is a daily choice. And Paul wants to tell the Colossians how to do it. Now, Paul, in his usual way, is very direct, isn't he? He's very, very stark. He's very to the point. I love that about him in many ways. He doesn't mince his words, and you know where you stand. There's no hot or cold, is there? It's like, this is how it is, this is how you need to do it. 
So we know, because we've heard over the series already, and if you've not managed to listen to the whole series, it is on the website, so do catch up. But I'm not going to go over everything that's been said, but we know that the people in Colossae were struggling with all sorts of things. They were being pulled away by different philosophies. Ada preached very much on humanism a few weeks ago. They were being pulled away by temptations and strong influences. So Paul is like, I've got to get these people sort of firmly in hand and I've got to get them back on track. And I really need to preach Jesus as the only way. And he's so, that is why he's so clear about it, because he wants to stop them from backsliding or slipping away. And so he's going to be very direct. And I think we can read it as very, very direct here this morning, because life isn't much different. There are a lot of dangers for us out there. There are a lot of temptations. There are lots, even in this town, lots of philosophies that might sound quite good on the surface, but that can actually, may not completely damage us, but just pull our focus a little bit the other way at times. And we get caught up in all sorts of things where Jesus is actually saying, I want you to go down this route. This is what I want you to focus on. This is what I want you to do. Don't get sidetracked. I want to look at the verses 8 to 11, this time in the message. I love to look at different translations see what's said. So, actually it's 5 to 11. Okay, let's have a look. Okay. Right, so, and that means killing off everything connected with that way of death. Sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like when you feel like it, and grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. It's because of this kind of thing that God is about to explode in anger. Like that, explode in anger. It wasn't long ago that you were doing all that stuff and not knowing any better. But you know better now. So make sure it's all gone for good. Bad temper, irritability, meanness, profanity, dirty talk. And don't lie to one another. You are done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom-made by the Creator with his label on it. That's an amazing expression, isn't it? God's label in your clothes. All the old fashions are now obsolete. Words like Jewish and non-Jewish, religious and irreligious, insider and outsider, uncivilised and uncouth. Slave and free, they mean nothing. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. I do like the way that Eugene Peterson puts things often. He's got Paul's directness down to a T, really, isn't he? And Peterson, as well as Paul, know that they need to be direct and full on because these instructions are really serious. Here in the message, Peterson's using the term killing off killing off any action or attitude, anything that could be associated with or connected to death. Now, I did have a look at the original Greek for killing off from the message, or put to death, I think it is in the NIV, and the Passion says eliminate. And the original Greek is necrosorte, and that literally means to make dead. But in the Greek, it's got like really, really, really strong connotations. It's really, really serious. Because Paul is stressing to the Colossians that it's not enough to simply suppress or to control these acts and these attitudes. They are 
and we are to completely exterminate them, completely obliterate and wipe them out, terminate them. It's really like a zero tolerance policy because Paul's not going to soft soap those Colossians and we shouldn't be soft soaped either. He means business and he wants them to know with that verb, that Greek verb just how serious he is. And I think actually the fact that he lists and he names those sins as well is quite significant. He doesn't want to leave any room for manoeuvre in any way or any misunderstandings. And here's things that really I feel you need to focus on at the moment. And I don't want you to allow them to take a foothold or to take root. I want to warn you before you get in too deep. Now, I'm not going to ask anybody to tell me whether they look at that list and feel they're all right. I'm sure you all feel great. <laughs> it might be that some of those things we think, well, they don't apply to me, but there's others that do. And it may be that we think, well, actually, some of those are really big sins, and then those little ones down there, well, they're not so bad. Well, here's a wake-up call for you all. They're all just as bad as each other, really. God is saying there's no standard in sins here, actually. If you are struggling with any of these things, that's not great. So I think what I want to do is ask us to have a real think as I go on this morning about those things that we might personally be struggling with at the moment. And I also believe that God doesn't necessarily bombard us with a load of stuff that we've got to deal with. He might just highlight one area for us that actually later we can get ministry for and get help with. And it is hard for us. I do think, of course, it was hard for people back in Colossae. But actually today, in the 21st century, here in Totnes or in the West, we're really bombarded by so many dangers and temptations. And I often think just for our teenagers, especially living in that internet age, where there are just so many sexualized and, yeah, tricky images out there and things that they can access so easily, or maybe not even access, but just come across. And then when we listen to the telly and the radio and things like that, there's so much profane and dirty talk going on that actually we can become a little bit sanitised towards it and we kind of become a bit more accepting. I don't know about you, I've been challenged recently with some of the things I watch. I've got particular sort of genres that I like and, and sometimes I can watch them in a really healthy and holy way. And then other times I think, actually, I shouldn't be watching this. I need to turn it off. And I don't always want to because it's a good story, but it's like sometimes you feel God saying to you, you really need to get away from that. So, yes, okay. How do we deal with these things, though? Well, we're going to open up some time at the end, because I feel it's really important that we have ministry time today, and I really feel that the Holy Spirit's been doing quite a lot here already, stirring up various things in us. And a bit later on, we will have ministry time for this, because... Actually, we can't just sit here and think, I don't think we can sit here and think, right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to kind of suppress that, or I'm going to deny myself that. <laughs> Actually, yes, we do need to take various thoughts captive. And yes, we do need to control various behaviours. But I don't think we can do it alone. We need to do it with the Holy Spirit. And I often think that it's really important to agree with somebody that you trust in prayer. And actually agree a bit of accountability and actually just sitting and praying and opening up an area that you might be struggling with, somebody that you trust, can actually really break the power of something. And that has been my experience. So I really want to encourage people later on today, I know when we have ministry time, we might have a little trickle of people go up and that's fine. 
I really feel that actually today, just get out of your comfort zone if you need to. Go and get some prayer or ask someone to come and sit with you and get prayer. It might be something that's quite a small route in your life. It might be something that's quite big. But do it. Be brave today. Get out of that comfort zone. Okay. I do think it's worth mentioning that not one of us here is immune from any of this stuff. And I always find this. When I prepare to preach, I have a really hard time with the Lord. It's like he will raise things that I'm reading about that are in me that I've actually got to really pray into and seek help for as well. So it applies to each one of us. Okay, but I do want us to move on as well from those old clothes because as we move on to them, from them, we can put on a new wardrobe, can't we? With the God labels inside. And that's the good news. We can have plenty of those God labels in our clothes. I want us to look again at verses 12 to 17 in Passion. Okay, and I'm going to read them to us again. I'm going to come over here. You are always and dearly loved by God, so robe yourself with virtues of God, since you have been divinely chosen to be holy. Be merciful as you endeavour to understand others, and be compassionate showing kindness towards all. Be gentle and humble, unoffendable in your patience with others. Tolerate the weaknesses of those in the family of faith, forgiving one another in the same way you have been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with someone, release the same gift of forgiveness to them, for love is supreme and must flow through each of these virtues. Love becomes the mark of true maturity. Let your heart be always guided by the peace of the Anointed One, who called you to peace as part of his one body, and always be thankful. Let the word of Christ live in you richly, flooding you with all wisdom. Apply the scriptures as you teach and instruct one another with the Psalms, and with festive praises and with prophetic songs given to you spontaneously by the Spirit, so in your hearts. And let every activity of your lives and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. And bring your constant praise to God the Father because of what Christ has done for you. I think it's just such a beautiful passage. And actually, I was, um, I was listening earlier this week to um, my Bible in a Year app and um, there's a, I don't know how many of you use that Bible in a Year app but at the end of it you've got Nicky Gumbel basically sort of looking at um, he usually looks at the Psalms and something from the Old Testament and then the New Testament and then at the end you always get a little bit with his wife Pippa, Pippa Ads, <laughs> which always makes me laugh because she sounds like the Queen. <laughs> so she sounds so posh. But actually, she comes up with some really funny things sometimes. But she was saying in, in the Pippa Ads that I was listening to earlier this month that Nikki and her had these verses at their wedding ceremony. And I just thought, actually, they're beautiful, beautiful verses as you clothe yourselves in a new life together. It's amazing. But not just for young couples who are getting married, but actually they're beautiful verses for all of us, aren't they? Yeah. As we seek to live out this resurrection life as the Bride of Christ. Now, 
call starts up there. I just want to hit on this first. Verse 12, you are always and dearly loved by God. And that's something that really hit me as well. Because actually, I know that. I know that I am always and dearly loved by God. It took me a long while to get there, though. I was a Christian for a long time before I think I could actually really grasp that truth. So what I want to ask today, again, for ministry time later maybe, do you know that? Do you actually know that you are really dearly loved and will always be loved by God? Because if you don't, if you don't grasp that scriptural truth, it's actually really difficult to put those new clothes on. Because it is by knowing our true identity in Christ that we then feel able to discard the old and take on the new. And that was my experience. So I want to encourage you this morning, if you're still struggling with that, and sometimes it's years down the line of accepting Jesus that we're struggling with it, then do something about it this morning. Okay. So looking at these verses, what's Paul's main sort of exhortations to the Colossians here and to us? Well, he lists, doesn't he? He likes his lists in this whole section, really. Lists of good and lists of bad. So here's his list. He says, show mercy, be compassionate, be kind, be gentle, walk humbly, practice patience, refuse to take offence. And if that's not enough... He then says, bear with your fellow believers. We've got to bear with one another. And forgive because we have been forgiven. Okay, that's quite a lot to be going with, isn't it? There's a quote from C.S. Lewis that I found that says, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. And he has, hasn't he? He has forgiven us so much. But actually... Even reading that quote sometimes I find quite difficult because I can accept that God will forgive the inexcusable in me. But when somebody has behaved in a way that I feel is inexcusable towards me or upsetting, it's a different story. And I really need the help of the Holy Spirit, and I'm sure you do too, Could to forgive those things. Could you read it again? The quote, yeah. So C.S. Lewis, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. And we all have things that we find inexcusable, I'm sure, to a greater or lesser degree. Okay, so there's Paul's list, but what does he cap it all with? What's the overriding element? Love, Rosemary, yeah, love. Verse 14, for love is supreme and must flow through each of these virtues. But I think what we learn as we walk with Jesus is it's not a wishy-washy, slushy kind of love, is it? It's not a sentimental or conditional love. Love, when we experience it as Christians, is mature. It should mature. Often it's fought for. It needs to be spirit-filled. It's that tenacious love that's sometimes just hanging on with your fingernails. Because we know that love isn't just an emotion, actually it's an action. It's something we need to do, and it's something that we need to put on, put it on intentionally. It's like draping ourselves with it, because I think only by intentionally draping ourselves with love are we going to manage to do any of these things. And then Paul goes on, ever practical, he says this, from verse 15, he shows us how to cultivate the attitudes and the virtues. And firstly, he says, you have to invite 
and allow the peace of God into your life. How many of us do that? How many of us invite and allow the peace of God into our lives when we're making a decision, however big or small? I often have to remind myself, am I sensing God's presence right now and his pleasure and his peace? Maybe before I say that thing that I want to say or do that thing that I want to do, do I feel a peace or do I feel a check in my spirit? So that's one thing we can do, practically do. Ask the Lord, do I sense your peace, Lord? Secondly, in this list, practice thanksgiving. Always find something to be grateful to God for. That can be easy sometimes, can't it? When things are going well, but when things are really tough, how many of us find that one thing to be grateful for? Because there is always something. Let's face it, we've got eternal life. Things might look pretty bleak here for us on earth at times. But we've got that to be thankful for. Thirdly, immerse yourself in the word of God. Now, if you were here last week, Karen did a brilliant all-age service on reading the word of God and immersing yourself into the word of God. And um, that will actually, her talk's been recorded, so it'll be on the website next week. And I'd encourage you, it's just a short talk but it's got a lot in it and a lot of practical ways of immersing yourself in the word of God as well. So I'd encourage you to listen to that. Because actually, unless we know God's word, and until we get to keep knowing it and digging in deeper, then actually we don't have much sort of ammunition in a way. We don't have much behind us, really. So we need to keep doing that. Fourthly, teaching one another. And that's not just teaching from the front or teaching in our small groups. It's about actually each one of us teaching each other because when we've immersed ourselves in the word and when our prayer life is good, we are learning all the time and we can actually pass things on, that word of encouragement, that scripture that we feel is just right for somebody at that time. We can teach one another. And I'm going to wrap it up with fifthly, I'm going to gather it in because it is all about gathering. It's all about coming together, praising God together corporately prophesying in the spirit it's important to do things on our own but it is really important and we must never forget that to keep on meeting to keep on praising we've just had such a beautiful time of worship this morning it's just something that you just won't want to miss out on would you because actually it lays the foundations and the groundwork for all that God wants to do okay I love this last verse this is why I chose this translation actually this morning because I just love this last word. Verse, let every activity of your lives and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, and bring your constant praise to God the Father because of what Christ has done for you. I love that word, drench. Those were the two words I had this morning, drenching and draping. I just love that translation, drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus. It's about drenching our attitudes, our activities, our lives with Jesus' beauty. And that is the only way that we are going to make ourselves a beautiful people. We can't do it otherwise. I'm going to draw to a close in a bit because I'd like us to have some ministry time. But I just want to finish on the fact that when I was preparing for this morning, apart from thinking about beautiful people, I was reminded of a verse in Isaiah. 
And this verse in Isaiah is the only place, I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, later, not now, um, <laughs> that we get an intimation of Jesus' physical appearance on earth, when he was a man on earth. We don't actually get a description, but we get sort of an intimation of it, and we get an idea. And um, the verse is Isaiah 53, 2. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. So what does that tell us about Jesus' appearance on earth? For me, it says he looked just like any other man of his time, of his culture. He was an ordinary looking man. There was nothing which physically set him apart. But to the discerning eye of faith and to those around him, they could sense that beauty that was within him and they could see who he truly was. Not all, but many. They needed that discerning eye of faith. They needed their hearts and minds and their spirits to be open to who he truly was, not just some other guy walking around. And it's also interesting to look at Isaiah's prophecy of Christ as he appeared at the crucifixion after it had been scourged and flailed. Isaiah 52, 14. His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond human likeness. Those words are stark and they are foretelling the inhuman cruelty that Jesus would suffer. And we often don't like to think of it like that, do we? We, we look at images of Jesus on the cross and we watch films some show it more candidly than others, but we don't actually think, I don't always think, he was unrecognisable. He didn't actually even look like a man because it's horrific. And yet, as horrific as it was, and as awful as he looked, and as inhuman as he was, he was truly inwardly beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that beauty was just seeping out. So what I want to encourage us to do this morning is to choose. I think we have no choice, really. If we are followers of Jesus, we need to choose to drape ourselves in his love, to robe ourselves in his beauty. We want to discard the ugly things, the rotten, stenching clothes, and cultivate that beauty. And I do believe that for each one of us, we can become those beautiful people that will really please God and also attract others to him. I'm going to leave us, I'm going to ask the band to come up and I'm going to leave us with um, the final picture of Jesus on the cross. Now, it's a pretty, well, it's not a pleasant image that I'm going to put up, but actually when we look at it, I think it's still very, very sanitised and Jesus would have looked a lot worse. But as you focus maybe on the image, Think about that true beauty that is there and ask, ask the Lord to actually impart that in your life. I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you that your word is so rich and so dense. And this morning there was just so much in it 
But Lord, I just pray that we have managed here to pull out the right strands and the right things for ourselves. Lord, so that we know where to be encouraged and where to be challenged. Father God, I pray that you push each one of us in some way out of our comfort zone right now so that we may allow ourselves to be draped fully in your love, drenched by your beauty. Lord Jesus, we just ask right now that we are bold and that we are brave as we choose to deal with the things in our lives that are not healthy and not holy. And as we opt to robe ourselves with the things that you would have us robe ourselves. Lord, I pray that no one here this morning feels any sense of condemnation, but of conviction. I pray, Lord, that each one of us may know that we are dearly loved and that nothing that we think or say or do can rob us of that. That, Lord, we can all come before you and come back time and time again and have those clean hands and clean hearts that you can purify us and sanctify us. And Lord, I just pray that this morning will be a time of deep work for each one of us. Come Holy Spirit.